Welcome again to Searching the Scriptures radio broadcast. We do appreciate you tuning in again today and look forward to what the Word of God will reveal to us uh, here on the program and the broadcast today. So turn in your Bible again. Let's turn back to Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5, we want to continue uh, a series here that we've started on why hell is enlarging herself. Let's turn in your Bible, Isaiah chapter 5. Follow along with me again this week. We'll do a little bit of review and then look at another reason this week of why hell is enlarging itself. Isaiah chapter 5, begin reading with me in verse 11. Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, the scripture says, that they may follow strong drink, that continue until night till wine inflame them. And the harp and the vial, the tabret and pipe and wine are in their feasts. But they regard not the work of the Lord, neither consider the operation of His hands. Therefore my people are gone into captivity, because they have no knowledge, and their honorable men are famished, and their multitude dried up with thirst. Watch verse 14, Isaiah 5, 14. Therefore hell hath enlarged herself, and opened her mouth without measure, and their glory, and their multitude, and their pomp, and he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. Now we began looking... In our last program, the last broadcast, we talked about the first reason we find in the Bible that hell is enlarging itself. The first thing we noticed was the fact that hell is a real place and souls go there and perish there forever. They weep and wail and gnash their teeth and one day death and hell will be cast into the lake of fire according to Revelation chapter 20 verses 14 through 15. And so we've asked ourselves the question, what is it that causes hell to continue to enlarge yourself? I mean, the Bible says in verse 14 that hell is opening her mouth without measure. There's no way to measure the amount of people. Jesus Christ himself said, Broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many, many, many there be which go in thereat. So what's causing this? Well, the first thing we looked at and we spent most of our time talking about last week, hell is being enlarged because of, number one, foolish parenting. And you say, I don't understand that. Well, we spent some time looking at Proverbs chapter 23, verses 13 and 14, which plainly state that if you beat your child with a rod to help train them and you chasten your child, you shall save a soul from hell. And, of course, the whole point behind that thought is the fact that if you fail to properly train your child and if you withhold chastening from them because you feel sorry or you don't have the courage to do it or you're too lazy to do it, you're helping your child to continue in their natural rebellion against authority. You, mom and dad, are the authority in your home. And you are to train up that child. And listen, go ahead and turn Oprah Winfrey off. She doesn't know how to train children. And the nutcases she brings on her show doesn't know anything about child rearing. I think it's hilarious. I think someone told me, I'd have to double check this. Someone told me one time that Dr. Spock, who was one of the first uh, Bible rejectors who began to uh, reject the way of child training, the old-fashioned way is found in the Word of God. He didn't even have any children. And that's always the way it is. Marriage counselors have never been married, and, and child uh, psychologists have no children. That's usually the way it works. How about let's talk uh, to God about this who created us, and how about we talk to some parents who've been successful in training children? If you fail to properly train and chasten your children uh, because you parent more through emotions than the truth, then you are increasing the chances of your child rejecting the gospel because they will know that they can, they can rebel against authority and get away with it. They'll never learn about justice. They never learn about consequences. And that's what the rod and reproof will teach your child. 
And so the first time the Spirit of God deals with your child, if you've been properly training them, they'll know that when an authority in their life tells them this is what's going to happen to you, they'll know that it's not a lie. Many children learn right away to ignore authority because they find out that their parents give nothing but empty threats. So foolish parenting is helping to populate hell. But this week, let's look at this. Look at Psalm chapter 9, verse 17 with me. Here's another reason that hell hath enlarged herself and hath opened her mouth without measure. We find another reason worded and stated here in Psalm chapter 9, verse 17. In Psalm chapter 9, verse 17, we read these words. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. So I want to say that a forgetful nation will help populate hell and enlarge that awful place of damnation. The scripture, look at it again, Psalm 917, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Do you know what the Bible says about nations? It says that righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Did you get that? Sin is a reproach to any people. And I'm going to tell you one reason that hell is enlarging itself is because nations like America continually embrace perversion and wickedness and sin and filth and pretend like it's okay. I'm speaking this morning to a society who throughout the United States today, we have uh, bills in our House of Representatives being introduced known as the, quote, bathroom bill. You say, what is that? Well, it's them trying to uh, protect the normal, sane thinking population from per perverts who would change the, what the status quo, what the normal thing is, and give a third bathroom option to people who are, quote, gender confused. Listen, they're not confused. I am. I'm confused about what they're confused about. You are either a man or a woman. The equipment is one or the other. It's not both. And you see what you get? You get these people talking about, well, our society that we are creating today is more all-inclusive, and it, it recognizes many different ideas and many different... Listen, there are some things that are set in stone, and a man, a male gender, and a female gender, those are... Con that's, that's, that's very clear. And when you begin to pretend that there are no absolutes in these realms, modern unsaved man says that's progress. God says it's perversion, and he says that whole nations will end up in hell because of it. Because the wicked, remember what the text says, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. I'm going to tell you what's happened in America that's helping to populate and increase the population of hell. I'm going to tell you what has happened. America has forgotten, she has forgotten God, and she has forgotten what she was established upon. Now, before all of you liberals go screaming uh, about separation of church and state and how America was never a Christian nation, listen to me this morning. Listen to someone who actually reads some history, okay? I understand that America, in its original foundation, if you want to just be absolutely dogmatic about it, okay, we can say this, that America was not, quote, a Christian nation in the sense that everybody was a Christian, but I'm going to tell you what America was started by. It was started by people who wanted freedom and liberty to worship the God of the Bible as they saw fit. And many of our founding fathers were born-again Christians. 
and the ones who were not born again still had a great respect for the Bible and normal morality as found contained in the Word of God. Now, if you don't believe that, you are willfully ignorant. I Notice I didn't say that everybody that founded this country were Christians. But nevertheless, the First Continental Congress, they couldn't get settled on anything until finally someone says, we better pray and get God in on this. And you ought to read the prayer that was prayed there in Philadelphia back in the day when they were trying to organize a Congress and all of these things. Listen, it wasn't this thing about, well, we don't know who God is and we better leave him out of everything. No, my friend, they might not all have agreed on the fine points of doctrine as found in the Bible, but they all believed that God was in heaven, that Jesus Christ was his son, and that morality and righteousness as found within the pages of the Bible was what man was to be governed by. Do you understand that in, we're in the book of Isaiah? If you turn over to Isaiah chapter 33 and verse 22, do you know what you read? You read about where America got their three branches of government. The legislative, the judicial, the, you know, and the representative. All that stuff comes from this verse. Isaiah 33 verse 22. Here's what it says. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. And so listen, in 1787, the sovereign people of 13 separate and triune states formed a compact for a national government. Isaiah 33:22 is the basis of the Constitution for the United States under three separate powers, legislative, judicial, and executive. Because you know what they knew? That uh, complete and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So these delegated powers were designed to check each other because the people were afraid of tyrants and tyranny. Amen and amen. Listen, this experiment, as it was known in America, was greatly blessed by God because we had a, a, a system of checks and balances that kept the government be from becoming this all-inclusive monster that she's becoming today. And listen, this, this nation was founded upon biblical principles and biblical points of morality and righteousness, and you cannot deny that. And the freedom and the liberty that we still enjoy today were blessings that were earned by the forefathers and the people who've gone on long before us. You cannot, you mark this preacher's words down this morning or today, whenever you're listening to this program, you mark it down. A nation that's living and embracing the filth and the sin and the confusion and the perversion that this nation is rapidly embracing. Listen to this preacher and mark it down. I'm going to prophesy. No nation has ever gotten away with the things that America is embracing without the judgment of God falling. Do you want to know why hell hath enlarged herself? Well, I can tell you. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. We have a forgetful people. You know, I remember something that when I was in fourth grade, back up in a little, little small town, Ohio, back many years ago, 30-some years ago now, I'll never forget sitting in Mrs. Crawford's class in fourth grade, and she was teaching uh, history, and she began to talk about the Revolutionary War. And she talked in that class, I'll never forget this, this stands out in my mind, she talked about the Battle of Bunker Hill during the Revolutionary War when America was winning her independence from Great Britain. And uh, she said, now it's very interesting, she said, where this battle was fought, she said, was actually on Breed's Hill. 
But she said, you know, somebody wrote down that the battle was on Bunker, Bunker Hill, or they thought that's where they were going to engage, was on Bunker Hill. And she goes, you know, the historians wrote it down as Bunker Hill, and so it's always been called the Battle of Bunker Hill, but battle, Bunker Hill was not the site of the battle. It was one, one hillside over on Breed's Hill. She goes, but, you know, that's just what historians wrote down, and that's what it's become known as. And she goes, but that's, uh, we never really have understood why they did that. Well, you know something? I began to read some church history. And I found out why it was known as the Battle of Bunker Hill. It's because there was a revolutionary war chaplain by the name of David Avery. Look it up. This chaplain, David Avery, went over with a couple of other preachers and stood on Bunker Hill while the battle was being engaged between the Redcoats and the Continental Army. And he went over like Moses did of old back in the book of Exodus when the children of Israel were fighting their battle. Moses went on the mount next to where the battlefield was at, and he held his hands in the air and prayed. And Aaron and Hur got on each side and held his arms up. And as long as Moses' arms were in the air, the children of Israel prevailed in the war. And that David Avery believed that passage, and he went over and thought, you know what I'm going to do as Moses did of old? And he lifted his hands toward heaven, and he prayed during the entire battle. And while he prayed, that continental army, that ragtag army of, of foot soldiers and farmers and men who love country more than life fought a, a well-armed uh, and a well-backed organized army of redcoats from Britain and beat the pants off of them. Glory be to God. And you know why they call it the Battle of Bunker Hill? Because the generals in the, in the uh, army, in the Revolutionary Army, in that Revolutionary War, they said this. They says the battle was won on Bunker Hill even though the, the battle was fought on Breed's Hill because they knew that that preacher and his cohorts were over there praying and as those cannons were flashing and those muskets were going off, that preacher was over there praying to God of, the God of heaven that Americans would prevail, and they did. But you know something? If that little piece of history encourages your heart, do you know Why? America's in the shape it's in today. It's because we forgot all about that. America has forgotten her roots. America has forgotten God. And brethren, listen to me. When you forget God, God will forget you. And you know where America is heading? She's heading straight to hell. Because that book says that hell is enlarging itself. Why, preacher, is hell enlarging itself? Well, according to Psalm 917, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations, and that would include America, all nations that forget God. Look back in your Bible at our, our uh, opening text, Isaiah chapter 5. Do you know what America has forgotten God uh, for? That she's forgotten God and embraced her comfort and her party lifestyle, her easy life. Look at this. Look at back in Isaiah 5, verse 11. Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning that they may follow strong drink that continue until night till wine inflame them. We got a country full of drunks and dope heads and people who are medicated with every kind of medication you can imagine just to escape reality and the thought of answering to a God who knows all about them. Verse 12 says, The harp and the vial, the tabret and pipe and wine are in their feasts. But they regard not the work of the Lord, neither consider the operation of His hands. They don't regard God anymore. They've forgotten God. That's why this nation's going to hell, like a speeding bullet. Now, you say, I don't understand. Well, according to verse 12, the harp, the vial, the tabret, and the pipe, and the wine, that's, uh, that's instruments, and that's, that's liquor. 
You know where that's found? That's found everywhere. You know what America wants? She's entertaining herself to death. Do you know why people want entertainment? Because they want to forget about God. They do not like to keep God or retain God in all of their thoughts. And they want to forget about Him. That's why they can't stand street preachers. That's why they can't stand gospel tracts being left around and handed out. That's why they can't stand people praying in Jesus' name before ball games. That's why they can't stand um, uh, Christians who will speak up for what's right and speak up for Jesus Christ. They can't stand it. You know why? They want to forget God because they know that they, they don't want to consider their latter end. And the end of the sinner is in a place called hell where he'll enlarge that place when he goes there. So they would rather entertain themselves to death. So they want wine and women and song is the old saying. And here in verse 11 and 12, we have the wine and we have the song. So people are enamored with all of this. I remember studying the sinking of the Titanic back in 1912. And you know what happened that night when they hit that uh, great iceberg in the middle of the North Atlantic, 400 miles from the closest uh, island or the closest uh, landmass. That big ship that they had bragged so greatly about that God Himself could not even sink. While modern man at that time thought he was the end of all things and the measure of all things and was so proud of his accomplishments and was quite certain that a ship that size and all of the precautions they had taken could never be sunk at sea again. Well, God showed them on the night of April 15, 1912, that they were once again quite mistaken. But when Captain Smith went down into the lower parts of that ship to see where the water was coming in, in the mail room and below deck, that man that had helped design the ship told Captain Smith, he said, she'll never withstand this many uh, compartments busted. She'll never withstand. She's going to keep tipping forward and each compartment's going to fill up until she'll stand up. And he goes, she's going straight to the bottom. He said, how long do you give it? He said, four hours at the most. So you know what the instructions were given to that band, that world-class band of musicians that were on that ship? When they came topside, they said, play upbeat music. Play happy songs. And so you know what they began to play? They began to play upbeat jazz tunes and ragtime from that era. And so, you know, they talk often about how that the people who were coming out on deck after the ship had kind of... Uh, had a little tremor in the side of it there after they hit that and scraped that iceberg. As the passengers began to make their way onto, onto the deck there, first and second class, uh, as they looked around, people were saying, well, what's going to happen? Well, we've got a little problem here, but uh, the ship's not going to sink. And the reason that they felt safe, people were playing cards, some of them were dancing, is because the music gave the sensation that everything was okay. And can I tell you something, that music today wine and and sporting events and all of this frivolity and all of this all of this party atmosphere that you find everywhere you go this uh this absolute um obsession that modern man in America has with vacations and uh comfort and all of this stuff and all of these creature comforts better cell service better this better that all of these things are designed to keep you preoccupied with the real issue because remember right here it says in verse 11 and 12, it talks about the wine and the people, he says, have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. You know why? It's because they've forgotten God. You don't want to know why hell is, is, is larging itself. It's because people have forgotten 
that one day they're going to give an account to their creator. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God, this book says. And so man would rather eat, drink, and be merry uh, because tomorrow we die. And God tells the man in Luke 12 who said that originally, he said, thou fool. Listen, if you're caught up in all the creature comforts and all the next vacation and all the, the next sporting season and, and the latest uh, country song and the latest rap music and the latest video game and the latest drug or the latest high or the biggest and, and latest party and all of this stuff, if that's what you're obsessed with and if that's what your life consists of, it's all a numbing effect that the devil has injected into your life to make you forget about God and forget about where you're going. Therefore, hell hath enlarged herself. Those people on the deck of the Titanic were in grave danger. Within three and a half hours, that ship was going to be out from underneath them and it was going to let them down into an icy grave, a miserable grave where they would, they would be crying for many... For they, the, the story that I've read, the book I've read on this particular Titanic disaster, some of the people that were in the lifeboat said the thing that they struggled most with was listening to the cries of those who were in the water suffering and freezing to death and how that it made some of them go almost crazy after they got they were rescued later that morning by the Carpathia. But oh, just a few hours before, all the wine flowed and the music played and it gave the sensation that all was well. And you know something? The devil will keep the wine flowing and the music going and the games are playing so that you'll think all is well, there is no hell. But every once in a while, through the middle of all of that frivolous living and that sinful living, they'll show up a hand that writes on the wall, just like in Daniel 5. Do you remember that? Daniel 5, where the king, Belshazzar, I believe it is, is drinking wine and the women are there and the party is full blast. Daniel chapter 5, verse 1, Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. You see what man's doing? The very thing that you read about in Isaiah 5, 11, 12, and 13. Belshazzar, Daniel 5, verse 2, whilst he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines might drink therein. So you got it all. You've got food. You've got women. You have liquor. And you have a party. And then they bring out the golden vessels. They're really going to do it. And verse 4 says, They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. And verse 5, In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance was changed. That means his facial expression changed. And you know something, every once in a while, this, this hand that's writing on the wall is a picture of the convicting power of the Holy Ghost. And every once in a while in America, I've been able to see those kind of countenances changed. Because in the middle of all of the, the music and the wine, the women, the song and the parties, God shows up and he sends a message. And it's a sobering message. The countenance of the king was changed and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against another. And you know what happens. They have to call for a man to come 
and they have to call for a, a man of God to come and to interpret the writing on the wall. The writing on the wall was real simple. Thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. And if all you've got is gold and liquor and, and dope and women and season tickets to the UK ball game and an easy life and a, and a vacation, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? If that's all you have and you hang close to those things because you want to forget God, listen, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. And on the day of judgment, you'll be found wanting in that day also. Because all of your sins shall come out and testify against you. Be sure your sin will find you out. Because there is a day appointed when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. Let me ask my listening audience something today. Are you prepared to have your secrets judged? The secret things you've thought. The idle words you've spoken. The wicked deeds you've performed. And above all the Son of God that you have spurned and ignored and rejected, and the Bible that you have mocked, one day when the wine runs out and the women are all gone and the fun is all drained out of life, you're going to meet your Creator. It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. And when you stand before God, you'll not stand with anybody else. You'll stand alone, just you and Him. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. The whole point of these lessons these last couple of weeks is why is hell enlarging itself? Well, today we've looked at the fact that men forget God. And we've got a nation that is helping you to forget God. But every once in a while, there'll be some relic, some old preacher, some, uh, someone like myself who's old and archaic and out of touch that still believes the King James Bible that will be willing to risk friends and family and popularity to simply tell you that, my friend, without Jesus Christ and His blood atonement, you're going straight to hell, and you're going to get there before you know it. Thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, and you have no hope of passing that judgment. You're guilty, 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 and you know it. And your thoughts trouble you. You say, preacher, do you have any good news? Absolutely. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. The Bible says that the Lord is not willing that any should perish. Ezekiel 33.11 says that God, He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, and He did not prepare hell for you. But you will certainly go there if justice is not, if justice is to be done when you die. But I'm going to tell you something. You can come to Jesus Christ and allow justice to be done at Calvary. Jesus Christ bore our sins in his own body on the tree. And God hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. But you'll have to repent. That's turn from yourself and your sin and turn to Jesus Christ and put your faith in him who died for your sins, was buried, and bless his wonderful name, rose from the dead. God is not willing that you would perish in your sins and go to this awful place. But if you don't come to Jesus Christ, you will certainly perish. You'll die in your sins and you'll go to a place and enlarge it that was not prepared for you. Isaiah five fourteen says, Therefore hell hath enlarged herself and hath opened her mouth without measure. 
I believe it was Spurgeon who said, How can you sit there comfortable when you have an angry God above you and a yawning hell below you? Friend, turn. Turn to God and trust Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus invites you to come to Him. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, He says, Come unto, ye, unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Even in the midst of your partying, even in the midst of your wine, women, and song, there's still an emptiness and a troublesome thing when the music's over and the wine has run out and the women have gone. When you're alone with your own thoughts, they trouble you. And Jesus said, Come unto me, and I will give you rest. He'll not only give you rest, He'll give you what the Bible calls a new birth. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Would you come and let him do that wonderful work today? Jesus says to those that come to him, he says, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Sinner friend, do it today without delay. May God help you to understand and trust Jesus Christ even now.